Grace and peace, brothers and sisters, this morning in the Lord. It's great to see you all here. Great to have the opportunity to worship the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength this morning as we're together. And uh, just want you to know that we have an awesome God. And I know this morning in our Bible class, we had lots of different prayer requests and lots of different people going through things. And before we actually get to the lesson, I just want to read these verses in Habakkuk chapter 2 to encourage all of us here. In verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive tree, olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer of a deer, the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Amen. So God, brothers and sisters, be encouraged by those words this morning. You know, when I was thinking about this week of what I was going to preach about or what talking about and praying about allowing the Lord to work and looking at different pers- uh, scriptures and looking at different letters in the Bible and things like that, I started writing down a list of things that I started coming around over and over again. I wrote, God is sovereign, God reigns, and, and all these things. But these two things really touched my heart when I was talking, writing them down, which is what this is. What's next? Where do we go from here? If you... Have you ever had those times in your life when something happens and you're going like, well, what are we going to do now? I remember when I was a little kid, I was probably about 10, 12 years old in that age range, that my mom and dad both worked at the same place. They worked at Kraft, you know, making those, making the cheese and all those good things there in the city where we, where I grew up. Well, all of a sudden they closed down the plant. And so they both lost their jobs at that very same time. Now, remember that time in the house, and I was still young. You know, I still didn't understand the big implications of all of that or everything. But I looked at my dad, and I saw he was real serious in his face, and he looked at my mom, and it was like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, and whoa, okay. I didn't understand it fully, but something had happened, and I could see that they were very serious about it. And maybe in our lives, things happen, and we, got, we think about, well, why is this happening, or what is this going on? But above all, I want us to think of something even grander, even larger scale. Where do we go from now that we are in Christ Jesus? What's next for us now that we have given our lives to the Lord? We want to think, where can we go to? What does the Lord have in store for us? What does he want us to do? But when he says, we are, Romans 12 says we are to be transformed, that we are supposed to be living sacrifices. And he says that we live our living sacrifices by living a life transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we can understand and test God's pleasing, perfect will. Man, I want to know God's will in my life. But Jesus also understood people in their lives, had moments real hard, things that they had gone through, and he's going to help them. And then they're going to even need to know where do they need to go from now. So I want us to look at three people in the letter of John this morning for us to think about in the gospel of John. And if you want to turn with me right now to John chapter 5, I want us to look at the healing at the pool of the man in Bethesda. John chapter 5 verse 1 as we look here this morning. Boyd, you can go ahead and hit that one there. The healing at the pool. John 5 verses 1 through 14. But I'll read just a little bit of here until 7. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the one Jewish festival, for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had, was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes before it, ahead of me, ahead of me. And so let's think about this man in this condition and that he's in. We don't know why he's in that condition. We understand for 38 years of his life, he's in a condition where he can't make it from here to right here. As we look at the picture here, that's in Jerusalem where the pool of, the pool of Bethesda was. At that time, well, a present day picture of where the pool of Bethesda was. And the men were there surrounding this place. The invalids there at that time, the blind, the lame, waiting for the waters to be stirred. As it would say, a custom in, in, your, ver- in your Bibles, it has verse 4, maybe in below part. But it says that every now and then an angel of the Lord would come and touch the waters. And the first one who would go in would be healed or cured of whatever disease it was. So imagine the anticipation, the hope that, hey, when this water gets stirred and this mix, I'm going to be the first one in. Now, I want us to think about this, this invalid, 38 years in this condition, water stirred, people running over him, walking over him for them to get cured and him not receiving any help at all. Now, I want us to think about also the invalid's condition, 38 years. And it says when Jesus learned of his condition, he asked, what do you want me to do for you? The invalid had been in that position so long, he didn't even say, can you pick me up and get me a little bit closer to the water? Or can you stay here until the water stirred? He had lost all hope. He had thought there's no more. But I want us to think more about this person also. Look what it says and look at the case of where he was. When Jesus says, do, what do you, he asked him, do you want to get well? And he says, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the start water is stirred. Now, we don't know what happened in his life, but can you imagine, 38 years, for some reason or another, no family member, no friend, no one just with a kind heart to do anything, alone. Imagine 38 years of going through that each and every day with a little bit of hope, but knowing that there was no hope. Having people come over you and taking and tremble over you to get to that water first. I don't know about you, but that's a hard condition to be in, isn't it? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt like there's no family? There's no friends? There's nobody that can get me through this? Have you ever been in a dark place like that in your life? Maybe you've struggled for that some years in some, in some senses, circumstances. And when we understand that Jesus is asking, what do you want to get well? We think, well, I don't know what to do. I've been in this position so long. Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants us to think that there's no hope. Satan wants us to stay in a condition where we don't see the great blessing that we have, that Jesus is just right next to us, that God is close to every one of us, not far from each one of us. But this invalid, in this moment, Jesus is asking him, do you want to get well? And he says, oh, I do, but I can't. There is nobody to put me in the water. So what does Jesus say? Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders saw all that had happened and said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Isn't that pretty amazing? The man had no 
idea who Jesus was. But Jesus, because of a compassionate heart, a loving heart, says that he learned of his condition, healed this man, and he said, get up and take your mat. And he did. There was something about Jesus in his words that had authority, that understood that what Jesus says we can bank on. And this man here stood up, and he began walking. And those around him couldn't believe it. And they're going to say, whoa, what's going on? You can't be healed. It's on the Sabbath. You can't be this. Hey, you know what? Sometimes when we want to do good, somebody's going to come around and say, you shouldn't do that. Today's not a good day. Today's not a good day to do something like that. No, every day is a good day to do something in the Lord. Amen. Every single day. When we have opportunity, let us lift up people. Let us encourage people. Let us let them know that Jesus is alive and Jesus wants them to get well. Not only physically, but spiritually. But at this moment, in this time, Jesus helped this man physically. And the man didn't even know who he was. Jesus isn't working in the lives. God is working the lives of all people. But in this moment, he doesn't know who Jesus is. So I want us to look at three different stories, and I'm going to get back to the point of all three of them, okay? Leave you hanging a little bit, okay? But the first thing that I want us to understand is Jesus healed this man physically. Jesus understood this man needed a cure. But also he's going to understand also that this man had been here by himself alone for all of those years. And now this man has hope. Now only that, there are other people that had situations in their lives where they seen there was no more hope. If we look in John, and you can turn there with me, Boyd. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. When we've heard this story many a times, talking about the woman at the well, talking about her life. And it says, as Jesus is walking along in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who has no sin, who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At that, this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, then neither do I condemn you. Now, imagine that invalid, 38 years alone. Imagine this woman caught in adultery, and we can understand from this that it was probably set up for her to be caught up in adultery. And at this time, being brought out publicly in front of all these men, being humiliated in front of everybody because of an act that she had practiced. You know what? Sometimes a lot of people don't want to come to church Because they think they're going to be judged on the acts that they've done in the flesh. A lot of times. They're going to think, are we like the Pharisees? Trying to stone them who are in a situation that's difficult. May it never be with us. But I want us to think about this woman. In this case, in this moment, she is before the Pharisees. 
This woman is an adulteress. Where's the man? Okay. You already tell something's up, right? But this woman is caught in adultery. Imagine what was going through her head. I am going to die. I was caught in adultery. I am going to die. And so what does Jesus do here? He bends down. He writes in the ground. And there's all kinds of theories and ideas of what he wrote on the ground, right? I'm not going to say I know, (laughs) okay? But whatever he was doing, he was giving them time to think. I can tell that for sure. And so then Jesus, after some time writing on the ground, stood up again. He said what? He who has no sin, cast the first stone. And then those older men began to leave first. And then those younger men, because we're a little bit more stubborn, right? Okay, is, I don't know if I'm still a younger man now, okay? But uh, I, I'll include, well, I'm over 40. I guess I'm in the older men's status now, okay? Okay, it's okay. But I want us to think about this woman in this situation. Another woman. No hope, going to die. Jesus sees, says this, and he says to her, Woman, who accuses you now? No one. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus has saved her from a death, physical death, that was about to happen. Praise God that Jesus had compassion on her as he had on the man at the healing at the pool. There's another person also that we want us to look at this morning. The man born blind in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all of it, okay? But I want us to understand in John chapter 9, verse 1, this man who was there at this place, as it says here, was was healed, and as, as he was there, the disciples came when they first saw the man blind, and they said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? His disciples asked, not the Pharisees, but his disciples asked this. Neither this man nor his parents, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world. I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on his, the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sin. So the man went and washed, and he came home seen. And what happened after that? A lot. Whoa. Wait a minute. You're not the man who was born blind that's been giving, begging and all these things all these years. You're not the man who was born blind that we know your parents and all these things. How is it that you're seen? Wait a minute. This is not right. You're not that man. But he was. But what happened? Jesus changed his life. Jesus changes our lives. Maybe the man we used to be or the woman we used to be, we're not anymore because Jesus has changed our lives. And when people see us, they're going to go, wait a minute. Tim? Now your friends are here, right, Tim? Remember? He was saying, oh, man, if it was my teenage years, I was sure it was going to be not happy. I hope they're going to think, what's he going to preach about, right? But Tim changed. Okay? I'm not saying you were bad, Tim, okay? <laughs> but he said he was happy that it was while he was in his 20s already, okay? The idea that we can be changed. Don't be scared when people look at you and say, is that really that Mark that I know or knew? Is that really that Miss Joyce that I knew with that mean streak? Is that really that who, Corey that I knew from 
from there, and what's the name of the city you're from, Corey? There, Center, Texas. Okay, okay. I thought it was Lampus. Okay, but I'm, I got it right. Okay. Is that him? Is that her? Don't let the people get above you and push you down so much. Stay strong. That man born blind, you know what he said? Have you all now believed that he is the son of the Christ, the son of God? He was saying and taking it to him. But this man born blind was in darkness all of his life and now he can see. And I'm saying and talking for us, if we've been in darkness or if you're in this here this morning and you felt that you've been in darkness, Jesus wants you to see the light of day. He wants you to see the light of the gospel. That's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be transported from the dominion of darkness into his wonderful light. He wants you to live a new life in him. If that man born blind could be different, he's saying we can be different also. And then look what he says to go on through here talking about all of this. Not only that man would relieve struggle from his neighbors, then the Pharisees would question him. Then they would go to his parents and his parents said, look... He's our child, but how this happened, I have nothing to do with it. Because they were scared too, okay? Even his parents disowned him at that moment. They didn't rejoice in the moment that now he could see. They were not rejoicing at all. They were saying, oh no, we're going to die because he can see. But this man was rejoicing, okay? Well, now we've got three stories of Jesus doing three things in different times and different places. One, the healing at the pool. One, also, the woman caught in adultery and the man born blind. Those three things happen. But this morning, when we talk about life, and we talk about life in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and as I was talking earlier, what do we do now? Where do we go from now? What's next? Now that this man has been healed of his, 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 uh, his condition, and he's not invalid anymore, and now he can walk. What does Jesus want him to do? Just walk? No. And now that the woman at the well, now that she has not been condemned, what else is there for her to do in her life? Where does she go from now? And where does the man go from now who was healed from his blindness? Well, if we look first of all in John chapter 5 verse 14, what if you put there, it says this. Later Jesus came back. Later Jesus found him at the temple, the man who had been invalid, who had been cured, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. What does Jesus say? I see that you are well again. Praise God. You are doing well. You have been cured. You have been healed. And lots of times God has done things in our lives and we just simply say, Praise God and we thank you God for the life that we still have and I still have even though whatever it is I may have gone through. But Jesus here says, see that you are well again. Then it says what? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now I want you to think about it. He had 38 years of bad, right? 38 years of not being able to move, being sitting there in that place. What could be worse than that? And this is one of Satan's greatest deceptions. Satan wants us to think that the worst thing that could ever happen is something to us physically here on this earth. He wants us to think that's the worst thing that could happen. He wants us to think that the greatest trial or tribulation or suffering that we could have is here on this earth. Have you ever heard somebody say this phrase? I've heard it said before. Hell is this earth. Hell is living on this earth. 
the things that we go through, the things and all the bad things that happen, this is going through hell. Jesus is saying, hell is much worse than anything that can happen here. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. So that something worse doesn't happen. What could be worse than 38 years of being an invalid? What does Jesus say? What does a man gain? What does a man gain? What does a man win, get, if he makes the, gains the world, but yet forfeits his soul? Jesus here saying to this man, great, you've been healed. Stop sinning or something worse may happen. And so the Lord is telling us, now that we are in the Lord, now that we have come to Christ, Let's not live for sin anymore. Let's live to live a blameless life, a pure life, a holy life in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means, right? For you have been crucified with Christ, with that sinful nature. You were once instruments of injustice, of unrighteousness, and now you are instruments of righteousness. Don't you know that all of you who were, who were in Christ died with Christ when you were buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life? New life in Christ that we have. And he's saying, let's continue in it. Hebrews chapter 10, let us not grow weary in being together. Let us not weary in growing together. If we deliberately keep on sinning after having received the grace of God, there is no sacrifice for sins left. We are just simply trampling the cross of Christ if we decide that we want to go and live a life of sin afterwards. Jesus cared about this man physically, but he cared about this man even more so spiritually. He wants to have that person there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for all. Amen. For all of us. But not only that, man, we look at the woman in, in, in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And what does he say in John chapter 8, 1 and 11? When he says there, woman, is there anyone here who con- condemns you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Praise God. Then neither do I condemn you. Then what does he say? Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. He wants us to walk. Go now and leave your life of sin. God wants us to leave our life of sin. He wants us to put it in the back and say that we no longer live for it. And praise God that he has given his son, Jesus Christ, for us to have that opportunity to be in Christ Jesus, to live a new life. You know, when we think of these verses, sometimes we kind of get a little bit, because the okay, like, oh no, what's, 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 what's my life going to come to? Well, you know what? I don't want us to think in that because when you read the Gospel of John as well as 1 John, it says, I write these things so you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. God wants us to be confident that we have eternal life. How does he know? How can we be confident knowing that we have eternal life? Leaving sin in our lives to serve him. Easy? No. Difficult? Yes. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But look what it says here, the blind man in John chapter 9. When we get to the blind man in John chapter 9 in the very last verses of it, verses 35 through 37 to be exact, Jesus heard that he had been thrown out. Okay, And when he found him, he found this man that had been blind. Jesus said unto him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of God is what he's asking, the Christ? Who is he, sir? The man asked. 
Tell me so that I might believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Amen. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. What does God want us to do? Man, praise God if he heals us physically. Praise God if we go through something hard and we're able to come through it. What does God desire? He desires a heart like this man right here who had been born blind. Says, I am him. And he bowed down and he worshiped him. That's why we're here. We worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. We've been studying in Philippians chapter 2 talking about the attitude of Christ. Talking about how, where he was and where he came to. To give his life for us. And now that God has given him the name above all names. That every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. God desires that we worship him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. God desires that as he says in his word. As it says in his word. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants all of us. He wants us to worship him in every moment. You know what, Paul and Silas, how could they sing songs of praise at prison in the middle of the night? Because they had a joy that was not of this world. They had a joy that was from out of this world in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what, Guy Harris is here this morning. I had the opportunity to see him at game night on Friday night. And uh, he's going to the church in Shallow Water now in Texas, West Texas. I know where that is, and I know some others here from West Texas know where Shallow Water is. But he said, Mark, when, guy and, when me and Ruthie got there and, and the things that I've gone through in my life, and, and uh, they say, well, y'all, are just, y'all just brought some great joy to the congregation here. And how can you be joyful in all of that? And he said, what? Because the joy of the Lord in my life. You know what? Just like Habakkuk said, even though I don't understand what's going on in all of these things, I will rejoice in the Lord, my sovereign God. Praise God that we can praise our God and Savior in every moment of our lives because our joy is not based on joy of this world. And Jesus is saying that in all of these verses. Our joy is based on heaven, knowing the salvation that we have. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to continue to sin. Don't go back to that old life. You have new life in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. Live it each and every day. So the question is, how can I live it each and every day? If we got all of this and we understood this correctly, Jesus each time was wanting to lead people not only to the physical, but to the spiritual. And so that when we help people in service to God, be it whatever it is, physically, serving, helping, in any way, we want to lead people not to only help their need physically, emotionally, mentally, But we want to lead people spiritually to Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so how can we help ourselves to continue to grow in this? And how can we help ourselves to remember who we are in Christ Jesus? The first thing I want us to remember is in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. As it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. The first thing that it takes in our lives is a humble attitude to understand that we are sinners. But we are no longer called to sin. Amen. We are no longer called to be sinners. We are called to be holy. We are called to be God's people. 
uh, a holy people, a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood that God has called us to. And what does one is to understand in these verses here when he talks about this? When, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Okay? So it's not if we sin. But if we continue in sin and we deliberately keep on sinning, there is no hope for us. But when we do sin, don't let Satan take you away and isolate you and take you back into thinking of darkness. But when you do sin, if you do sin, when you do, confess them. Confess our sins to our Lord. You know, you know how it is. Uh, little kids, when they do something they know they shouldn't do, they try to what? Run from their mom and dad, right? Depends on who, who they're running from because they know they did something. And a lot of times, even teenagers, okay, if you know you've done something wrong, your mom and dad would very much appreciate a confession more than having to get it out a different way. Now, if you saw me this morning, I had my belt off and Deborah brought it to me. I told some of you I was going to discipline her for something. I'm not. I was joking, okay? Okay? <laughs> I just want you all to know that. I was joking this morning, okay? But I want us just to think about that fact, that confession. Lord God, I am a sinner. But you've not called me to sin. And Lord God, I do not want to continue in sin. Don't let me think, don't let Satan blind me to the thought that I cannot come out from it. As just as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Lord God, it says that we are tempted by the same way as all men are tempted. Help me to find the way of escape that's in you, Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In James chapter 5, he'll say, confess your sins to one another. Have somebody in your life that you can talk to about the things that you're going through so that you don't continue in sin. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about things that you can trust somebody with. First off, you can confess them to the Lord. And he is faithful and just to forgive you. Praise God. But there is strength when you confess your sins to one another, to a brother. A lot of times people have used that verse in a wrong way to say, you tell me all of your bad sins, but I won't tell you mine. Okay? It's not that way. Confess your sins one to another. The idea of Brother, sister, I'm giving confidence in you that you're going to help me through this. Wow, that's a pretty awesome thought to think. But confess our sins to God. Not only that, we need to make sure that we keep our focus where it should be. And as 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Amen. All of these things, all of this, this flesh and blood that's right here is not going to be here anymore. This church building is not going to be here anymore. All of it, gone. And then also the things of this world that it offers. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of these things that want to lead us into sin. All of these things that want to lead us away from the Lord. Because for some reason, somehow, some way, we think there's so much greater joy in that moment than eternity with our Lord. And Lord, and people, I'm telling you, sometimes I have sinned. And I've forgotten that fact. And I've confessed to my Lord. I've confessed to brothers and sisters in Christ to help me along the way. 
But also, above all, Lord God, help me to have my focus. It's great to run, run across to have things. The pride of life. Hey, it's great for your children. You want your children to grow up and, and do great things. You know, a lot of times the parents like to brag about their children. Oh, has this, this, or that. But parents, the most important thing you can give your child is Jesus. And that's what we want to give them. No matter what they do or where they live or what profession they live in or whatever they do, give them Jesus each and every day. But also with that, also with confessing our sins, focusing that this world is not forever. As it says in verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Praise God, we live forever in Christ Jesus. But the most and greatest thing that we have, and sometimes we sing a song, I guess it's in English also, I don't know in Portuguese, but from 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 3, look what the Lord says here about being pure. No, it's 1 John chapter 3, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. The idea that we are children of God, not of natural descent, but of spiritual descent when we decided to give our lives to the Lord. Praise God. The love, the, love the, the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And knowing that we are called children of God means that, hey, we are co-heirs with Christ and we are going to live with eternity in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in, 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 with our soul. We are going to live in eternity with Christ and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of us together. And what should we do? What then, if we have all of that, look what we have now. In Christ Jesus, salvation, hope, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things as we continue to walk in the Spirit of God. Each and every day as it says in John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5, John chapter 14. Talking about walking in the Spirit of God. We have here to walk with us each and every day. And as we do that and as we have this great awesome thought that we are called the children of God. And that we have this hope that Christ is going to appear. What do we do? What's next? Look what he says. Verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Be holy because I am holy. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' call to each and every one of us who are in Christ this morning is not to forget that you are a child of God. Amen. And being a child of God, what's next? Lord God, any place in my life that I need to take care of. Any place in my life that I need to purify, Lord, help me to purify it. Confessing my sin unto you, focusing on eternity, and remembering the great hope that Jesus is coming back from the Jesus is coming back to take us to our heavenly home. The question is, what's next for you this morning? If this morning you're thinking, where do I go from here? Perhaps I haven't been living the way I should, but I want to. I want to. I, I, I love the Lord. If you want to confess your sins to God, you confess them. If you want the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, you can come forward and we will pray for you that Lord will give you strength to continue in the direction that follows him each and every day because we want 
to be encouraged. And if you are not in Christ this morning, I pray that we would never be like the Pharisees or judgmental. But I do want you to know that as a sinner, if you've not given your life to Christ, you're still in darkness. But when you give your life to Christ, you're in the light. Philippians 2 told us this morning, you can now shine like a star in this universe. There's lots of darkness around, yes, but there is light. And the light penetrates the darkness. You become part of a family that lives for eternity. And what I want you to know this morning, that whatever you've done in your life and whatever you've done, Jesus is willing and ready to forgive you. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And we want you to know that you can give your life to the Lord this morning. Just as the brothers and sisters were cut to the heart in Acts chapter 2 when they understood that it was because of their sin that Jesus went to the cross and that he was, he, he was made Lord and King. He said, what shall we do? He says, Peter and the apostles, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise for those that was then and for the descendants long away to us today. So wherever you are in your life right now, be asking the question, what's next? What do I need to do in my life? Where do I go from here? What do I need to change? And Lord God, thank you for your grace and mercy. And may I live a different life based on that grace and mercy each and every day. What are you going to do with Jesus as we sing this song together? Stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.